0: is Bean to barstool a podcast that looks at the intersections of craft beer and craft chocolate my name is david nelson i'm a professional beer writer and an advanced cicerone and the creator and host of this show the music for this episode is by my dear friend indie folk musician anna p.s you can find out more about anna's music in the show notes or at her website annapsmusic.com you can find links and information about our guests in the show notes as well I hope you enjoy this episode of Bean to Barstool. Today's episode is a look back at my favorite beers, chocolates, and pairings of 2021. You'll also hear from several friends in the beer and chocolate worlds who share their own favorites from the last year. In 2021, we were finally able to take our first tentative steps back out into the world, visiting tap rooms, and taking a few short trips. I was even able to lead my first in-person beer education event since before the pandemic started, in outdoor tasting at a local library. We were able to visit my wife Melinda's family for the holidays for the first time since 2019, and we even made it to a concert, catching the Scottish electropop band Churches in Columbus in November. My biggest accomplishment of the year was passing my advanced Cicerone exam, a goal I set for myself several years ago. I flew to Chicago in August to sit for the tasting portion and waited anxiously for the next month till I got the exciting news. I was also honored to win two awards from the North American Guild of Beer Writers, one for my profile on Carillon Brewing, and one for my expansive story on the use of ethical cacao in craft beer, both for good beer hunting. That cacao story was itself an accomplishment, as I had wanted the space to write a major story on the relationship between the Bean to Bar and Craft Beer Worlds for some time. The year was not without its challenges, of course. I've been dealing with pretty serious anxiety throughout the pandemic, and it has had some significant impacts on my physical health this year. I finally got on medication to try to treat it, and am hopeful things will improve. Despite the ups and downs of the last 12 months, there has been no shortage of great beer and chocolate and this episode will celebrate my favorites from 2021. The only guideline is I either had to try these for the first time this year or have a new experience with them this year. Some of them you'll recognize from past episodes of Bean to Barstool and you can find links to those episodes in the show notes. You'll also get to hear from some of my friends in the beer and chocolate spheres to share their own favorites from this year. Let's get started. Humble Forager Sugar Shack Diaries is a 12% ABV imperial stout brewed with maple syrup from a rural Amish family in Wisconsin, Mostra coffee, Ecuadorian cacao from Chocolate Alchemy, and Mexican vanilla. Pouring thick and dark with a lovely espresso crema foam, the beer brings us a deep woods comfort and complexity. The glass teases aromas of burnt caramel, maple sugar candy, and bourbon maple syrup. The coffee doesn't really come through till the sip and combines with the maple to taste like what I imagine a maple macchiato would taste like. The chocolate is a dark undercurrent running beneath it all. Back in episode 20, Humble Forager founder Austin Jevney shared an evocative story about visiting the Amish family sugar shack at night and tasting the beer I feel like I'm having the vicarious memory of being there. At Cantu Chocolate in the French-Canadian city of Montreal, Quebec, husband and wife Maxime Simard and Elfie Maldonado tie together the beautiful story of their relationship in their bar made with local maple sugar, Maris Fleur de Sel, and Peruvian chuncho cacao. The bar is such a lovely and thoughtful balance between the cacao and maple, The maple isn't bold and aggressive, but rather a subtle but insistent accent to the nutty, almost fudgy cacao, with notes of cinnamon and a beautiful smooth texture. You can hear Austin, Maxime, and Elfie talk about these maple delights in episode 20. Last February, we got a major snowstorm, and Melinda and I drove to a local nature preserve late at night to hike through the snow and ghostly bare trees beneath the moonlight and pinpricks of stars. When we got back home, we opened Old Tree Hugger from Live Oak Brewing in Austin, Texas. This elegant English barley wine was full of notes of dark bread, caramel, pine, and orange marmalade. And I paired it with map Chocolates Pine Bud Snowflake Bar made with Norwegian sea salt, pine bud syrup, and fir tips. The pairing was deep winter with the promise of warmth, orange like a rumor in the depths of a winter pine grove. Old Tree Hugger was sent to me by my friend Ruveny De Silva, a prolific and talented beer journalist living in Austin. She writes for Good Beer Hunting, the Burham Collective, and numerous other publications, and brings energy and insight to every conversation about beer and the culture around it. Here's Ruveny sharing her favorite beers from 2021.
1: Thank you very much, David, for including me in your yearly roundup. It's always difficult to choose a few beers out of so many, especially with so many fantastic breweries uh, and such a high quality of beer at the moment that's continuing to improve. So a couple of my Texas standouts from local breweries who I think are doing really, really special things. Uh, Vista Brewing has been going for about three years now out in the Hill country. I love their um, spontaneous and uh, mixed uh, fermentation range of beers. They have really, really perfected that style so well. This year's uh, Mies American Wild Ale. And their hive mind honey beer, which is actually brewed with yeast taken from one of their own bees and their own apiary. Those have both been real standouts for me. Relatively new brewing um, in the Austin area is Hedgehog, who are again doing really, really exciting mixed fermentation beers. Their crush landing, gorgeous, sort of spritzy, yeasty, peachy delight. We actually brought some over here to share with our own British friends, and it went down such a, such a treat. Also, So they've been doing great things with barley wine. Uh, They're fine and dandy and uh, its various branches have been really, really exciting. Uh, And I'm looking forward to trying out some of their new uh, mixed fermentation and their uh, winter stouts when I get back. Over here in the UK, um, Holy Goat Brewing from Scotland have absolutely blown me away. Um, I've only had three or four of their beers, but they've just been outstanding. An incredible smoked imperial stout called Goat Smoker. Their astral beauty, uh, mixed culture, sour, both just really incredible stuff. And um, I must say Siren Brewing, consistent every year, never disappoint. Um, their anniversary barley wine that um, that we tried this year's Maiden, absolutely beautiful. We brought back to the States to share with our uh, friends stateside and it, again, went down a treat. And their high-definition triple IPA, which was a K-Lab with green cheek, was another real standout. Looking forward to trying their um, uh, winter stouts coming up soon. It has overall been a fantastic year. I think this has been one of the best sort of years in beer, um, looking at my, um, my write-ups that, that I can think of. So thank you to all the brewers who have made it really great.
0: Fanta Flora Brewing in North Carolina brewed a beer with Jester King Brewery in Texas called Extending Branches, made with Texas peach leaves and olive and juniper branches and North Carolina birchwood. This beer instantly brought to my mind moss-covered riparian tree roots reaching down from the edge of a forest into a splashing, rocky stream. It's full of tumbling notes of diesel, dill, sweet peach, sun-dried wood, mineral-rich water, and flavors I only have images for. A blue-teal sky, green moss creeping up the timeless musculature of the roots— The vanilla smoke 69% dark chocolate bar from Crow and Moss in Petoskey, Michigan, was one of the most evocative I tasted this year. The cacao for the bar is infused with hickory smoke for flavors that are reminiscent of barbecued meats, but with fruity and dessert-like flavors from the cacao and vanilla. There's so much happening between the smoke, salt, vanilla, and fruity cacao, and it feels like those flavors should be at odds, but they blur so seamlessly it's hard to tell where one stops and another begins." You can hear more about the Map Pine Bud Bar, the Crow and Moss Vanilla Smoke Bar, and the Extending Branches Beer, all in episode 19 about wood flavors. Just recently, I tasted Sulkiki's Yergachev Coffee Redskin Peanut White Chocolate Bar, a fascinating bar with an overriding impression of lightly salted peanut butter fudge. Think of the filling in a buckeye. With touches of peanut brittle and an undercurrent of nutty, earthy coffee. Speaking of coffee, Land Grant and Beyond Black IPA is brewed with Crimson Cup, Casa Cabina, and Antigua Finca El Cadejo coffee, and Chinook, azaka and Simcoe hops. This is a flavor concept that could have gone off the rails easily, but it's so deftly executed. The tropical hops and fruity coffee dovetail beautifully, with higher notes of coconut and mild cantaloupe over a sweet, caramel-like coffee foundation that leads into a balanced, piney hop finish. I never would have pitched this as a good idea, but it sure does work. Coffee and chocolate have a lot in common from a sensory and production standpoint, and they can even be grown together to maximize land use and provide more year-round income for farmers. The folks at Onyx Coffee Labs have launched a line of chocolate bars called Terroir by Onyx that use coffee and cacao from the same regions. Their Columbia bar offers a beautiful interplay between the more acidic, fruity, and floral notes in the deeper nutty and woody tones with caramel and bourbon barrel. There's an upfront nuttiness from the coffee, but after that, the balance between the higher notes of wildflowers and creamy, sweet tropical fruits and the bar's deeper, warmer comforts is seamless and beguiling. What a beautiful alchemy of these two crops. You can hear more about the process and spirit behind the terroir series in episode 13. The Sulkiki and Crow and Moss bars I've mentioned were sent to me by Shay Powell, one of my dear friends in the chocolate world. Shay runs the popular Chalk Coffee Wine Instagram account and is an enthusiastic advocate for savoring chocolate with our favorite adult beverages. Here's Shay sharing her favorite chocolate bars from 2021.
2: Thanks, David, for letting me talk about my very favorite chocolate bars of this year. These two, rather two inclusions, but three bars. Sorry, I cheated. The one that blew me away first was a 80% from Peruvian maker Kuma. And the rest is all banana, 20%. It's sweet and astonishingly creamy from the bananas. And the fruitiness comes from the cacao. I've never tasted anything like it. This bar takes high percent chocolate to a whole new level. The second ones are two goat milk bars. One, a simple goat milk bar with Mexican cacao that totally vanishes in one sitting. It's made by Fernando of Cielo Dentro chocolates. The tanginess from the goat milk is perfectly balanced with the Mexican cacao. The other one is from Hans a Violet Sky Chocolate. And the bar I'm talking about is called the Cajeta Bar. Caramelized goat milk white chocolate is decorated in swirls in a dark chocolate with sea salt. Beautiful balance. That is an understatement. So there you go. There you have it. Two of my favorite bars of 2021.
3: We'll be right back.
0: Hey everyone, getting a Cicerone certification is an amazing way to raise your beer knowledge and can be a game changer for your beer career. But how are you supposed to find the time to prep and how are you supposed to know exactly what to study? Don't sweat because the Beer Scholar has you covered. The Beer Scholar is a sponsor of Bean to Barstool, but I can tell you from personal experience years before I was doing this podcast how helpful the Beer Scholar study guides are. They offer efficient online courses for levels one and two that cover everything you need to know, tips and tricks for how to pass the exams, and include live weekly Zooms to taste and discuss classic beer styles together. They even have a new coaching program for the level three advanced Cicerone exam. I used the Beer Scholar study guide to pass my level two exam many years ago. I wish the level three had been around when I took that exam. I had to do it on my own. Wish their study guides had been available for that at the time. The vast majority of certified Cicerones in the world today have used Beer Scholar to help achieve the goal of passing that exam. If you are ready to take your beer career to the next level, visit thebeerscholar.com and check out their online courses. One of my favorite pairings this year featured an unusual coffee beer. Bramari Brewing in Asheville, North Carolina released a hefty 13.3% ABV bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout last winter called Quasars Shine Through an Endless Night. The beer was brewed with toasted coconut, vanilla, and barrel-aged coffee, and it's a thick, sweet, indulgent sipper with surprising berry notes of strawberry and crunchberry cereal, with underlying sweet coconut and just a whisper of coffee from the depths, dovetailing with the oak notes. If a tropical beach could float untethered in the blackness of outer space, this beer would be served there, as sweet and potent in the darkness as our memories of Earth. It being winter when I got the beer and wanting to play with the sweet berry notes, I paired this with a bar from a cold climate that offered some bright berry notes of its own. Tales of Stockholm Jurgarden 70% dark chocolate with lingonberry is itself a beautiful lesson in balance and contrast, offering bright notes of grape jelly, black currant, and raspberry from the lingonberries with the 70% cacao foundation acting like a key that breaks the native berries apart into their component threads. The roast of the chocolate offers a toasted brownie and nutty coffee foundation that anchors those brighter notes. Together, the tropical notes of this beer and the contrast of bright and dark in the bar create a union at once comforting and exhilarating. The thick, syrupy stout envelops the bar and obscures it before the acidity of the lingonberries breaks back through. The roasty brownie notes of the chocolate provide bedrock for the sweetness of the stout base. The berries, coffee, and coconut dance together in the darkness. The dairy chocolate dark milk out of Raleigh, North Carolina is smooth and luxurious, with deep caramel cream and a ridge of acidity rippling beneath the silky and creamy mouthfeel. I've been writing for porch drinking for almost five years now and have made a bunch of beer-loving friends through that. Kinsey Bernhard writes for porch drinking and hosts the popular Boys Are From Mars and podcast for the site. She also works for the Highwire Brewing Tap Room in Louisville, Kentucky. Here's Kinsey to share her favorite beers from 2021. Hey,
4: this is Kinsey Bernhard. 2021 was a crazy but fun year, especially for beer. I drank so many amazing beers this year. To list them all, we would be here for about 20 minutes, so I won't take up that time. I think the top of my list comes in. It's a, it's a little bit of a Homer pick. I'm going to have a few Homer picks. I work for Highwire Brewing Company here in Louisville, but we are a company based out of Asheville. And one of the best beers I had this year was um, a Dry Hop Pilsner, a collaboration with Burial Beer out in Asheville called Hop to Death. It was a Dry Hop Pilsner at 55 ABV. And, um, when I say that I never wanted this beer to go away, I wasn't joking. We actually just kicked the keg today and it was a very, very sad day. I think we all shed a tear, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for dry, hot pills and it was fantastic. Another really great beer that I had this year was I'm going to continue on these logger trains. And I was in a, again, in Asheville at Zillicoa and they had a, a Pilsner on tap that was absolutely phenomenal. Um, they do it in the proper beer glass. And I think, you know, it's funny. I, I was drinking an IPA last night thinking I hadn't drank an IPA all year or in a couple months. So I'm really on the lager train. So if it's still out there, find Hop to Death from Burial in Highwire Brewing. And then you can also, if you're in Asheville, check out Zillico and drink their Pilsner. I could list 8,000 other lagers I have this year, but I won't waste your time. Some honorable mentions uh, we did a fest beer for highwire. Fall City has a dry hopped lager, couch coach, and like i said, let's get back to loggers. Let's let's make 2022 the year of the lager.
0: Kinsey's not the only one on the lager train. Over the last few years, we've seen growth in the availability and appreciation of classic lager styles and i am here for it. I had so many great loggers this year, so i'll quickly share a few of my favorites. Here in Ohio, Noble Beast Brewing in Cleveland is consistently putting out fantastic classic lagers. I could have chosen any of them, but their Graf Vienna stood out to me. This Vienna lager is brewed with just a touch of corn to mimic Mexican amber lagers, and it's endlessly drinkable, with toasty malt notes, a dry, slightly flinty finish, and moderated hop bitterness. I enjoyed Jackie O's Gold Denim on the patio of the Barrel House in Dayton, my favorite beer bar. My sister was visiting from North Carolina, and it was the first time we'd seen each other since before the pandemic. I took no notes on this beer because I was so focused on finally getting to hang out with my sister. But the only thing that distracted me from our laughing conversation was the continual realization of how perfect this golden Dortmunder export lager was. Autumn sees me drinking a lot of Oktoberfest lagers, and this year my favorite was Brinktoberfest from Cincinnati's Brink Brewing. Just a whiff of slate-like sulfur, a toasty, bready foundation, a dry minerality, nice bitterness, and just a subtle touch of caramel. On a trip to Denver in November to cover a few beer stories, I got to drink at two of the best lager breweries in the country. At Bierstadt Lagerhaus, I had their legendary Slow Pour Pills, a crisp German pills that goes down so easy, you almost don't realize you're drinking it, except that It's delicious. The beer is served in a gorgeous Art Deco stemmed glass and takes a full 5 minutes to pour properly for the perfect pillowy head. Cohesion Brewing brews exclusively Czech lager styles, and they serve them from proper Czech side pour faucets, which allow for the range of traditional Czech pours. Pladinka, which is a conventional pour with moderate foam, Schnitt, which is about half beer and half foam, and Mlico, which is mostly foam. This isn't normal beer foam, though. The specialized faucet creates a wet, meringue-like foam that is as flavorful as the beer itself. My wife and I were there one evening after a collaboration brew day at Seedstock Brewing, and we sat at a long table with brewers and downed mug after mug of these frothy old-world delights. It was an amazing sensory and social experience. Single-origin chocolate bars are sort of the classic beer styles of chocolate, showcasing refinement and character without the addition of flashy inclusion ingredients. These are the backbone of craft Chocolate, and while I love inclusion bars, especially for pairings, tasting single-origin bars is like grounding myself and continually teaches me more about cacao and chocolate making itself. In 2021, I was introduced to Nostalgia Chocolate out of Syracuse, New York. I ultimately interviewed founder Tyler Cagwin for episode 30, focusing on his recent hop aged bar with Cascade Hops, but his single-origin bars are delightful as well. Nostalgia's Madagascar Samborano Valley seventy per cent bar is a great example of how well Tyler understands his beans and how to let them express themselves with the awareness that sometimes discretion is the better part of valor. Madagascar is a bold origin, but this bar shows enough restraint to allow its flavors to be graceful rather than brash. The acidity of the origin is there in citrus and berry, but it's gentle, layered over a chocolate foundation of cashew and dry roast with sunny, radiant warmth. Manawa Oahu Island Mililani 70% from Hawaii represents what this tropical archipelago tastes like in my mind. It's floral, fudgy, fruity, with notes of coconut, lily, berry, banana, and papaya. Sweet but not too sweet, an island vacation in bar form. Ascania Wangenegas is a 50% milk chocolate bar from Haiti made with rapidou and unrefined sugar. This bar has been a continual rediscovery for me throughout the year, one I've come back to and continually been caught by because of how good it tastes. It carries a subtle grassy sweetness like agave syrup with a touch of hay, a creamy texture, and a comforting fudgesicle-like body. One of my first primers on the world of craft chocolate was Megan Giller's book, Bean to Bar Chocolate, America's Craft Chocolate Revolution. Megan is a chocolate educator and writer and the founder of chocolatenoise.com. She's become a friend of mine, and I asked her to share some of her own favorite chocolate bars from 2021.
3: Hey David, it's Megan. So I just wanted to tell you about some of my favorite chocolate bars from this year. So one of the favorite bars that I tried was from Crew Chocolate and it was their 72% Guatemala bar. And I was just shocked at all of the wonderful, delicious flavors in here. It had like a really interesting, almost almond sort of thing going on. And Crew does an amazing job sourcing cacao working with people all over Latin America. I feel particularly connected to this one because Madeline Weeks, who leads chocolate tastings for my company, Chocolate Noise, actually was the one who connected Carla at Crew Chocolate to this group of women in southern Paten, Guatemala. So um, it's a very special bar and I really savored it and had a really hard time eating the very last piece. The other bar that I really wanted to talk about is from a company called Chocolatissimo, which is in El Salvador. And I had the good fortune to be able to taste some of their chocolate through the Northwest Chocolate Festival And um, I I believe that they actually won some awards during that that festival, too. And I I honestly don't even have a specific bar from them. I just really loved everything that I tasted. I believe it is a company that's owned by several women, too. And I was delighted to find that out and to, to see such great stuff being made in a country of origin. So there are so many other bars that I can talk about, but those are two of my favorites. And thank you for including me.
0: No list of favorite beers on being to bar stool would be complete without looking at some excellent beers made with cacao and chocolate. This summer I had the chance to taste Double Chocolate Medianoche, a variant of the coveted Medianoche Imperial Stout from Colorado's Weldworks Brewing. This monstrous 14.2% stout was aged for 24 months in 5- and 6-year-old MGP high rye bourbon barrels and conditioned on Belizean, Guatemalan, and Mexican cacao nibs from Cultura Chocolate, as well as a subtle addition of Congo vanilla beans. The beer's aroma leads with cherry and red apple from the bourbon and acidic cacao before classic chocolate and vanilla take over, with quieter notes of bourbon and oak sitting in the background. The flavor is like a black forest cake with cherries, the rich sweetness balanced by the acidity of the dark malts and cacao, the toasted oak, and the slight bitterness of the roasted malt. The texture is thick and luxurious, and the depth of chocolate character seems like an unending presentation of new chocolate expressions, from the familiar comfort of brownies to the intriguing excitement of a single origin bar. You can hear more about this beer in the bonus episode from August. When Melinda and I were in Denver in November, we passed a lovely afternoon at Dos Luces, a brewery focused entirely on the ancient Mexican and Peruvian beer styles pulque and chicha, respectively. Both styles are brewed with malted corn, with the pulque being 49% mague sap and 51% corn, and both are far lighter than typical beers, with tart and bright acidity. Their Polque Azteca is made with chocolate and subtle cinnamon and New Mexico chilies, and tastes like an acidic spiced cacao with the comforting chocolate and the bright acidity somehow working beautifully together. The beer is normally made with Cultura chocolate, but unfortunately had to be made with Girodelli this time because of supply issues. I know, I know. It was still delicious, and I can't wait to taste the Cultura version at some point. The last chocolate beer to make my list was a complete surprise. Wolf's Ridge Dyer Gorgon is a Spumani-inspired imperial stout brewed in collaboration with Streetside Brewing and was made with pistachios, vanilla, strawberry, and Ugandan cacao from ethereal confections. Spiritous strawberry, angel food cake with berries, mildly acidic coffee-like cacao notes, and a sweet but not too sweet foundation make this one of the most unexpected delights of the year. You can learn more about Wolf's Ridge and their relationship with Ethereal Confections back in Episode 8. Speaking of surprises, one of the most unexpectedly great pairings of this year was between Blue Owl Wee Beastie, a sour, wee heavy brewed with peat-smoked malt, and Volo Mexicali Dark Cream Chocolate, a 70% bar made with Haitian cacao, dried cherries, and three different chili powders ruveney whom you heard from earlier sent me this beer and i was a bit sceptical but ended up loving it it was funky and weird and somehow completely worked with a deep earthiness that was pulled up and lightened by the acidity with petrichor and leaf litter dark pumpernickel bread and nuttiness a touch of toffee and some distant smoke The Haitian chocolate layered into the malt flavors of dark bread, toffee, and nuts in the beer, while slightly taming its wild complexity, while the cherries warmed in the beer's acidity and the chilly heat forced through the web of flavors to dazzle on the surface. It reminded me in some ways of a spiced sangria with jalapeno slices floating on the surface, albeit with more malt depth underneath. A more predictably great pairing was found between Swingin' Sticks, an imperial sweet stout from Humble Forager and Angry Chair, brewed with toasted pistachios, caramel, toasted coconut, and cocoa nibs from Chocolate Alchemy, and Bayani Caprina, a 65% dark chocolate bar from Brazil made with cachaça and lime zest. The grassy cachaça notes of chamomile and catnip layered beautifully with the amaretto notes from the pistachio in the beer while Spiritus Coconut ran throughout, with highlights of lime and richer rum over acidic caramel. The pairing was tropical and bright, but also calming and comforting. Back in episode 27, we heard from Dr. Christina Wade, a beer historian living in Ireland, who writes about the history of women in brewing, and shared with us the truth behind the myth that our modern image of storybook witches comes from medieval alewives, or female brewers. Here's Christina to share a couple of her favorite beers from this year.
3: We'll be right back.
0: Hey everyone. Final Gravity Issue 4 is now available in the Bean to Barstool shop. This fourth issue of our zine, telling intimate, human centered stories from the world of beer, is full of great articles, including Kate Power of Lady Justice Brewing talking about why she might be done with beer festivals, Ukrainian beer writer Lana Svitinkova writing about the Zeugel brewing tradition in Germany. UK writer Matthew Curtis talking about the blend of old and new in the Cascale tradition in Manchester, and many more. We believe passionately in this project, and if you believe the story of beer is ultimately a story about people and relationships, we think you'll love Final Gravity as well. You can order the new issue from our shop on bean or you can also subscribe, including subscribing for your brewery tap room or break room, or you can subscribe and sign up to support us on Patreon at patreoncom bean 2 Now back to the episode.
5: Hey, David, it's Christina, and I'm going to share a couple of my favorite beers from 2021. The first one I'm going to talk about is Flora and Fauna, which is a double IPA from Western Herd Brewing Company. We, um, at the Beer Ladies Podcast, went out there for a wee visit sometime over the summer, but we actually had got to have it actually at the brewery as well as they have a pub locally in Ennis, and so we got to try it there as well. And regardless of that, it's one of my favorite beers of the year it had nine or ten different kind of hops in it. It's a West Coast IPA, which is nice after so many East Coast IPAs. And I know I say a lot I'm sick of IPAs, and I am, but this one was really good. So I really, really enjoyed this IPA. Um, one of my top beers of the year. I think my other one would be Connemara Brewing Company's Irish Lager, which was just, just an excellent lager. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think you can really see how good of a brewer someone is based on how well they make a lager because you can't really hide anything in a lager Um, and their lager is is just wonderful it's really really good does exactly what it says in the tin really enjoy it was was very very happy when I got to try it earlier in the year and have been drinking it consistently since then so those are probably my top two beers of the year
0: Despite much of my life revolving around cacao, I rarely get to taste any part of the fruit except what's made from the beans. Getting to taste mash Pie's 65% dark bar with cacao pulp filling was an awesome chance to taste the different aspects of this plant together in one bite. The juicy pulp with its flavors of passion fruit, lychee, and gooseberry popped against the earthier Ecuadorian chocolate around it. The chocolate itself has an earthy-fruity balance, sort of like the underlying flavor of an earthy variety of hot pepper, stripped of all its heat. The two poles of the tasting experience for me are comfort and provocation. A beer or chocolate can succeed by offering nostalgia and familiarity, or by offering challenge and excitement. And the most intriguing tasting experiences can find ways to satisfy these seeming opposites simultaneously, like watching a storm roll in from the warmth and safety of your living room. Map Chocolate's white chocolate with guava, toasted coconut, and black lime offered an intriguing tropical puzzle my senses enjoyed solving, while offering soothing foundational familiarities to undergird them. I have probably tasted this bar, and imagined more tropical getaways with it, more than any other this year. Speaking of tropical flavors, many hop varieties showcase explosive tropical fruit aromas and flavors, and Rabbit Brewing's Bale Hazy Pale Ale was my favorite beer this year that showed off those flavors. This hazy delight was smooth and bright with fresh mango flesh and citrus pith flavors and a dry and moderately bitter finish. Getting to drink this in the Rabid taproom with my friends, owners Ray and Tobias, the night before Thanksgiving, was one of my favorite beer experiences this year. You can hear more about Rabid in episode 29. At the opposite end of the flavor spectrum, Mother Stewart's Porter offers comforting flavors of dark milk chocolate, a touch of coffee, and an assertive finishing bitterness. They tweaked this recipe in 2021, and this new version is excellent, uncomplicated, but endlessly enjoyable. Speaking of porters, when I was in Denver, I tasted Seedstock's Baltic Porter, one of the best in the style I've had. Lovely smooth chocolate was accented by notes of tobacco and raisin, and a distant minty pine note lingered in the darker flavors. Also in Denver, we stopped in at Miette Chocolat, run by Chef Gonzo from the Netflix show The Bake Squad. Gonzo creates gorgeous bars and confections, and was kind enough to show us behind the scenes of his operation— His passion fruit salted caramel bonbon was simply one of the best things I tasted all year, period. Such an incredibly bright burst of fresh passion fruit and lemon that melts into the caramel, the salt snapping it all into focus. My wife and I each took a bite and just looked at each other, speechless. Sana Forslund is no stranger to dynamic tasting experiences with chocolate. This Swedish chocolate educator runs Kakao Sana, leading chocolate tasting events, and co-founded the Chocolate Cooperation, importing craft chocolate into Sweden. You can hear my interview with Sana back in episode 26, but for now, here's Sana sharing her favorite chocolates from 2021.
6: It's been incredibly hard to think of just two bars that stick out for me during the past year. But Going over my notes and thinking back in my mind... There's two bars that stand out. And uh, the first one is something that I usually don't go for because it's a, a white bar. It's a vegan white by Weekend Chocolate and it brought back so many childhood memories. It was the Shiba bar. Uh, so it was with roasted hazelnut and pumpkin seeds. And uh, thinking about it, it still makes my mouth water uh, almost a year later because uh, that was a bar that. Didn't last long. Another bar, I actually still have the last piece and I haven't wanted to finish it. And it's a uh, Mexican cacao uh, with Primo Botanica. And I've had many beautiful bars with cacao from the Ray and Co-op. And this one really sits with me and brought a huge smile on my face. And that, that's what I want from a chocolate bar. I want them to awaken memories and to make me smile and take me on a little journey. As always, I want to travel through the chocolate.
0: Last winter, through the kindness of Max Gandhi, a.k.a. Dame Cacao, and Natalie Sawanprakorn of Choconat in Bangkok, Thailand, I had the chance to finally taste Nat's Up and Smoke bar. The cacao for this bar is smoked over a Thai aromatic candle used in many Thai desserts, and also includes pandan and coconut. I had never tasted anything made with a Thai aromatic candle, and if I hadn't known, I'm not sure I would have identified the flavor as smoky at all. What came to mind almost instantly for me was the smell of an old bookshop, the kind I can get lost in for hours on a rainy Saturday afternoon. Bibliosmia is the smell pages of old books take on as they age, and with my eyes closed as I tasted this bar, it was like I was in a shop full of them, the shelves overcrowded and thin sunlight streaming in through the windows, warming the wood surfaces and the overstuffed and worn-down leather chair I would retreat to with my finds after browsing. That aromatic tableau involves the books, the wood, the leather, the dust of ages in the air, and the bar's toasted coconut, pandan, and a whisper of salt breathe warm vitality into the scene. You can hear more from Nat about this bar back in episode 5. Also in January, I got to taste my first bar from Not Your Sweetie, and appropriately, it was their Fuck Trump Volume 3, He's Really Gone, a 70% Tanzania bar. The initial fudgy flavors move aside for notes of blueberry and berries and cream, a smooth roast shielding a regal underlying acidity with touches of wildflower honey in a perfect melt. Not a bad way to celebrate a new era. J.W. Lee's is a revered English brewery that brews an English barley wine each year called Harvest Ale, and they also release limited batches of the beer aged in various spirit casks. One of my favorite pairings this year came from pairing their 2015 Harvest Ale, aged in Calvados apple brandy barrels, with Mash Pie's 65% dark chocolate bar made with calamondin, a citrus fruit believed to be a hybrid of kumquat and mandarin orange. This aged English barley wine is full of toffee, raisin, and crisp apple and sweet bread notes, and the pairing offered notes of bright orange marmalade and orange caramel over a warm leather and hay foundation, with the chocolate itself and the dried fruit notes in the beer serving as a frame to hold it all in focus. Another cellared beer I loved this year was a 2018 bottle of De Dole Still Nacht from Belgium, This 12% ABV Pale Belgian Ale was like a big, boozy, but smooth triple, with notes of vanilla, banana, fruit, and virgin oak, and while it was sweet up front, it had a perfect dry and bitter finish. One of the most enthusiastic beer professionals I know is Tristan Chan, the founder and editor-in-chief of PorchDrinking.com. Here's Tristan to share his favorite beers from 2021. For me, this year's standouts included a trio of collaboration beers, including Bierstadt and Amalgam's Hoppy Table Lager, Bierstadt and Westbound & Down's Chicago Peaks Kolsch, and Ratio Beer Works and Sire Brewing's Trail of Dead Kolsch. It's a little surprising that two Kolsch's made the top of my list, but they were both phenomenal in their own right. I also thought that Weldworks Brewing's Media Noche Reserve was one of the best barrel-aged stouts I had ever come across, and a new brewery that came to Colorado this year, Cohesion, produced an incredible wet hop lager. Their Cohesion Ten Wet Hop Lager. As I mentioned earlier, I flew to Chicago in August to sit for my Advanced Cicerone Tasting Exam. I'd been dealing with health problems all year, and I wasn't optimistic about my chances of passing. But in the days before the exam, I felt a sense of calm acceptance take over. Throughout the summer, I had been using chocolate as a means of meditative self-care. I would sit up straight, close my eyes, put a piece of chocolate on my tongue, and focus on nothing but the physical sensation of tasting it, followed by the joy and delight of having a body that can interact with the world through flavor. One of the bars I found myself returning to for this was Ratsa Chocolates Self-Love, an 80% bar made with reishi and chaga mushrooms, as well as ashwagandha and maca root, which founder Bratsa says boost energy levels and our immune system. Both were needed, so I turned to it often. I took it with me to Chicago, and sitting in the room of my Airbnb the morning of the exam, I stared out the window with the soft sunlight and slipped a piece of the bar into my mouth. It's a quiet chocolate with a savory, earthy foundation highlighted by gently sweet stone fruit notes. I told myself that whatever happened on the exam, it was going to be okay. And tasting that chocolate as it slowly melted, I was able to believe it. Maybe the best beer I had this year was one I've had countless times before, one I first had well over a decade ago. I said at the beginning, these could be beers that were new to me or that I had a new or unique experience with this year. Cezanne Dupont from Belgium is widely considered one of the best Saisons in the world. This spritzy farmhouse ale balances moderate hop bitterness and grassy hop notes with lemon, stone fruit, and black pepper fermentation notes in an effervescent and dry body. I've had more bottles of it than I could ever count, both in the U.S. and in Belgium, but it's rare to find it on draft. The Barrel House in Dayton had it on tap early this month, and Melinda and I sat on their patio on a sunny 45-degree day and drank glass after glass of this gorgeous, perfect beer. It's been a hell of a year, and carefree moments have been few and far between, but sitting on the stools in front of our favorite bar while traffic and trains passed, we laughed more than we have in a while, constantly coming back to how perfect this beer is and how perfect the moment was and how much we love getting to see and taste the world together. Here's hoping we get to do more of that in 2022. I would love to hear all about your favorite beers and chocolates of 2021. Please feel free to comment on Instagram with your favorites. Thanks to my friends who recorded their own favorites for this show. You can find links to their websites in the show notes. I hope you're all having a peaceful beginning to the new year. Thanks for listening to Bean to Bar School.